welcome back to the College Football Uncensored Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler. With me, as always, is Chris. Today, we got a jam-packed show. We're going to talk a little Dan Mullen extension with an interview with Mr. Chris Doring, former Florida Gator. Uh, we're going to talk UGA Transfer Portal and much, much more. Chris, today was almost a really bad Atlanta sports day, but it turned out to be okay. Yeah, thank God. That was um, concerning. I think like part of me was pretty. Uh, we we really, we really are like a Hawks podcast now. Yeah, one hundred percent. Been watching them all year. I mean, yeah, huge fan. Always have been. Um, Hawks, Tennessee Titans, Oregon State Beavers. But uh, yeah, so I I thought like when I heard the news, I was pretty upset, obviously because <clears throat> of Julio, um, and he's you know a Bama guy also played here for about a decade just it's like one of the the few things the falcons have ever done right right they trade up for him and ended up actually working in their favor because if yep. you would ask me if that was going to go well i think most of us would not have thought it would have gone that well right. um so i kind of thought that maybe that would be like the sacrificial lamb we were going to have to give as atlanta fans to get, to get like a win a, against the sixers yeah and then it ended up being great for me because like they were up by 20. I was like, just in case I'm going to throw yeah. some money on the Sixers. Uh, and didn't realize I actually did it twice and I hit them both. <laughs> well, it's good. It's always, it's always about your gambling. Um, you know, fast forward back last week, I've been gone for a week now. So I was on vacation, but while I was gone, Atlanta sports gets hit with the Marcelo Zuna news. Oh uh, yeah. So fantastic tough. signing there. Not only did they sign him. He's probably going to go to jail for a couple of years. Um, they don't get to void his contract. They have to pay the entire thing. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's still <laughs> like, I'm saying this purely in jest, but like, it's yeah. it's obviously worse, but it's the only one worse than that is when they gave Dan Uggle 75 million. So I just, right. you know, I feel like we're used to this at this point in Atlanta. Um, so setting up to be a very Atlanta week. And the Hawks finally pulled through for us, but this is not an Atlanta podcast. This is a college no. football podcast. And we're going to lead off with a little, Florida Gators talk. We got Dan Mullen extension. He has agreed to an extension with Florida through the 2027 season, and it will pay him annually $7.6 million, making him the third highest paid coach in the SEC behind Mr. Nick Saban and Coach O. Um, I feel like agents are still winning these, these um, I guess you could say, arguments with college uh ADs and presidents. He's got a $12 million buyout. Um, if he wants to take another job or if he, if they want to fire him, but only 2 million that he owes if he takes another job. So. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was like always over the barrel. These, these schools is crazy. I was honestly, I didn't think it was that bad of a deal. And and I think it was, it was surprising to me. Like obviously we were recording on, on, we record on Sundays um, and this happened earlier in the week. I guess what it was uh, like Midway, whatever June 1st was. Right. So, yeah. yeah. And, and I think it was funny watching the reaction of it because I always bring up Georgia, Florida, Twitter. Maybe that's just like what my feed constantly seems to be, but you had big days for both and we'll get to the Georgia stuff later, but the stuff with Mullen and Georgia fans, like kind of trashing his, his uh, extension was hilarious to me because he just beat them right by double digits. Yeah. He, it's, he's like, the people, the group that thinks this wasn't deserved, it blows my mind. And, and I don't think it was a power move at all because, you know, he could, he was flirting with the NFL. Um, like, I, I don't think that's what it was. I think this was just a deserved raise. I don't, I don't think he, you know, took them or bent them over the barrel, whatever you said. Like, I, I think that he's taken them to a New Year's Six Bowl three years in a row, his first three seasons, right? 
And on top of that, they're talking about a guy that, that has come in there and replaced, um, who was it, McIlwain, right? And, and so you go from winning, going four and seven, having your coach, you know, uh, fuck a shark. a shark. Yeah, that's a better way to put it. Um, and you bring in this guy who's like, you know, not been on that level and not been on that stage in his coaching career yet. In the first three seasons, he takes you to a New Year's Six Bowl. I think they had double-digit wins the first two, and obviously a shortened season last year. So you beat your rival, Georgia. Um, I think it was very deserved. So I don't know if, like, the buyout was surprising strictly because, you know, but we saw, like, Gus Malzahn get, like, $29 million. Yeah. No, what I meant by over the barrel is if he wants to leave and go to another job, he only owes Florida $2 million. But if right. he is fired, they owe him twelve. Like I still, to this day, schools, I don't know what schools are thinking when they do this kind of thing. And at some point I would have thought COVID maybe ended this. And maybe that's why 12 million is a lot less than 30 million or whatever it may have been for, you know, Malzahn. But I would have thought of, they're not going to be like hamstrung by this. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's what I mean. Yeah. So, um, I think, you know, I could see why people would say, um, I, I, I wish I could have made the Doring interview, which we're going to play here in a second. Um, yeah. Cause I wanted to ask him what Mullen's relationship is like with the bull gators down there because, and, and for those that don't know, probably everyone in the sec does, but that's their top boosters at right. UF. Um, and if I remember correctly, despite the rousing success on the field that urban Meyer was the boosters did not like him. And it's because he was kind of an asshole off the field. And that's surprising that people wouldn't like urban Meyer because <laughs> right. he's such a straight shooter and, um, and just an overall good guy. Yeah. Um, that's probably why the only reason he has Tebow on, on his squad right now is because he's just trying to get some good karma uh, right. for all the bad shit he's done. But yeah. So um, like one of the interesting points and you'll hear it here in a minute uh, that, that he made was what he's done a really good job of is getting the student body back into it. Right. Like that's a massive campus with, I think they have over like 50,000 students or something crazy. Um, and the McElwain Muschamp years, you know, throw out that 12 win year with Muschamp because I feel like people forget it all the time. There wasn't a lot of exciting, uh, I don't know, passion and, and like, I feel like people had almost quit because like, you went from having like the best player maybe in college football history and one of the best programs currently uh, at the end of those 2010 seasons or at the end of the uh, 2000s, then you have Jim McElwain and you're, you're, you're rotating all these quarterbacks and you seem, you can't ever seem to figure it out. Right. Like yeah. your best player will be only played like five or six games. So I think that having some stability um, for one is huge for Florida. And then I, I honestly, I, I just didn't see anything bad with the contract 12 million for a buyout nowadays is, is like nothing. Right. And, and I tell you what, it wasn't even close to being the worst uh, contract they signed over the weekend because they also gave Mike White, the basketball coach, an extension. That one was much more egregious. Yeah. Um, um, well, I just I just wonder because I know that there are some Florida fans that are frustrated. I mean, you last year you ended the year again. You had all this really good talent. Um, some of those players were generational talent. Um, and you ended the year with three straight losses, including an absolute right. blowout at the hands of Oklahoma, 52 to 20. Now you could say they, they didn't care about being there, but that's an a- absolute ass beating. Um, you had a few missteps, you know, there was very public flirting with the NFL, right. um, that, uh, he, he made some tone deaf comments when it came to packing the swamp and yeah. And then, you know, him and 31 other people on the very next week got COVID. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, not great. and you know, he, he was in the middle of a spat with Missouri on the field and he's trying to fire up the fans and, and, and a lot Lock of people, I think, there's more, 
Fuck off. <laughs> I think a lot of people aren't happy with his recruiting, considering you have a very down Florida State and a pretty mediocre Miami in the same state. You should be dominating in recruiting right. compared to what's going on in the field, but they're not really. Um, and then his most egregious step of all is, you know, obviously the pleated baggy khakis that he wears with Jordans. With Jordans, yeah, it's so weird. All of those things, I, I could understand why maybe some folks are weren't so excited to extend him. Maybe not fire him, right. obviously, but you know, let's see where he, where things go. You lost four last year with some really good players that weren't even ones that you recruited. If you have a recruiting problem and now you got not, not a problem, uh, it's, okay, it's well, overblown, right? They're top on, ten. I, I, I'm just gonna, I'm going to interrupt you here because here's okay. the thing. I, I think we 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 shit talk Mullen a lot, and and I, I I've said that like in charge of like. If I was picking somebody in charge of running my program, I would take Kirby over him. I think he's a better coach, especially in-game coach than Kirby. And 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 again, we'll talk about this in a second with Doring, but one of the things that really surprised me that, that I think we often overlook, like think about the level of success he's had at Florida in his first three years. In in a in a in a position and a job where you don't get a like you don't get a lot of time to be successful, right? Like like Pruitt gone within under three years. Um, you know, like that's a lot of reasons why they, they, I feel like coaches sign these. Chad Morris gone in a year and a half. Right. Right. deservingly <laughs> So, but I feel like yeah. one of the reasons that a lot of these coaches try to get these extensions is trying to like take advantage of the moment and, and get their money as you know, when it's still available and like the value is still there. Mullen has done nothing but be successful when, when pretty much everyone outside of Gainesville didn't think he would be right. Like, you know, cause you, you look at his record against top 25 and it's abysmal like throughout his career. Because he's in the SEC West at Mississippi State. I think it was like nine and thirty-six. Then he goes to Florida, one of the like I, I would call it one of the blue bloods, and definitely in the last thirty years in college football, goes in there in the toughest conference in the country. Goes to an SEC championship game this year. Again, going to three New Year's Six Bowls in a row is is pretty difficult. Kirby didn't do that in his first three years at, at his stop. Saban didn't do it in his first three years. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about like, I, I know we've said it a thousand times, replacing generational talent. But to be fair, outside of Pitts none of us were really talking about like none of us really gave credit to the talent that he had last year. Like you said, that it's like the players you didn't recruit those players. Like Kyle Trask is Kyle Trask because of what Dan Mullen set him up to be right. Like, no doubt. like he, no doubt. he played to all of his strengths. So I think that I, I get that. It's like, it's funny to, to, you know, make jokes because they did lose like their last three games. They got blown out and all that kind of stuff. And he is, I've said before, like, I, I, we're going to do a segment later about the most punchable people in college football. And he's on my list. Cause I think he can be a dick sometimes. And people like, you know, he rubs people the wrong way, but he's really good at his job. And, and I think like, if you look at like, especially surrounded by his peers and, and, and comparing his resume to the people in this conference, because that was another thing. People thought that him getting paid the third most in the SEC was outrageous. Who had a better, who had, who's been more stable in their time at, at, uh, at their respective school, Coach O or Dan Mullen? Take take us. I'm not talking about who won a national championship. What, yeah, what, yeah. Who's had a more stable, consistent program at their time at their school? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously. Answer the Mullen's fucking a question, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, feel this is interrogation. Yeah, um, a little bit. Yeah, but okay, that that's fair. That they've been more stable, but you know, do you think they can reach the heights that LSU did? I. I I'm not ready to say that yet, but I also didn't think they would win 10 games two years in a row. And I think that like other people that know more about football than me think he can. Um, so I, you know, me personally, I wouldn't see it right now. 
I think he does have some issues recruiting, like you said. And that's also one of the reasons I thought the NFL kind of makes sense for him because, you know, I, I laughed at it when I first thought about that, but maybe he's perfect for the NFL, you know, like, like you don't have yeah. to recruit. You just get like, you have all this talent and then you just get to scheme. Like, so I thought it was a good move from Florida. Um, I know a lot of people were kind of negative about it and I was really surprised by that, but I think it's a great pickup and, uh, and you're in a much better position now than when, where you were. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and I think Florida fans could probably say more than anyone, like, be careful what you wish for when you're, when you want to, you know, you think you're upgrading coaches because you're not always going to hire the right guy next time. Right. And they know that more than anybody because uh, they screwed up twice in a row. And so, um, you know, I, I think it's fine that they extended him. You know, we'll see. We'll see where it ends up. Um, yeah, real quick. Like, and this is what's so funny about fans too, because it's like, I think Bama fans are bad about this. They, they just, Bama's going to lose to Tennessee at some point, right? I don't know if Bama fans know that. <laughs> like, and, and when Saban retires, he's, they're obviously going to have a, a dramatic change and probably fall. You don't just go find another Saban. And like this, you said here, you don't just go find another Mullen or necessarily, right? Or another Urban yeah. Meyer. And, and I think that like, I think, I think it's a really good move. And, and it's weird that we don't give credit where credit's due um more often as a, as a fan because what, what's more enjoyable now if you're a florida fan i know i know that you lost the last three games of the year right what's more in trouble now this or having fucking trey burton take you to a seven and five record when you were like a, a preseason top 10 team right or john brantley not living up to expectations or, or any of the other quarter all day quarterbacks yep no nah, makes sense yeah so anyways let's go to the Doring interview and then we'll uh come back and we'll talk the other team in the SEC East that could be threatening for a title, UGA. All right, we are now joined by um, a very good friend, first friend in this in this business, um, Chris Doring, former Florida great, uh, ruiner of a lot of my childhood years as a Bama fan, um, and also a, a TV personality. And you you do mortgages, you do a lot of stuff, man. I got a lot going, on, a lot of irons in the fire. I think it's more an issue of not being able to say no. As you can see, I'm doing this recording with you Sunday night at 7.30 p.m., you know, and I could be doing a lot of other things. So I, I can't say no even to you. Okay, well, that's kind of fucked up. You just have to say it like that. But I appreciate you being here regardless. Uh, of course. No, no we, um, we want to get you on and just get your thoughts uh, pretty pretty briefly on Dan Mullen's new contract and some other stuff about Florida uh, yeah. and the state of Florida's athletic department in general. But first and foremost, Mullen gets an extension, third highest uh, paid coach in the SEC. What were your thoughts on that? You know, it wasn't a surprise. You know, I think what was a surprise was all the reports in the offseason about, you know, potentially his interest in going to the NFL, particularly the New York Jets rumor, uh, an idea that the administration was upset with him and some of the way that he acted and that causing a rift between Scott Strickland mm -hmm. and Dan Mullen. All of those things may have had some truth to them. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I think Florida is the best location for Dan Mullen. And Dan Mullen's the best head coach for Florida. Uh, the fit has been very mutually beneficial already in three seasons, having gone to, to three straight New Year's six games, taking a four and seven team immediately to 10 wins the next year. You can see the impact that he has not only on, on the team and, and getting them to believe and putting them in positions to be successful, but the way that he's re-engaged the fan base. And, and you can look at the, the, the ranking of it. Uh, Chris, you got Saban, you got Coach O, both of which have won national titles. And then you have Coach Mullen, where Florida feels like they can get to that really quickly. So obviously, uh, the pressure gets amped up. But I think the thing where I think it makes a lot of sense in terms of the investment 
is what it does, what he's been able to do to engage the student body. Uh, for a while, the students have not really been a part of, of coming to the swamp and hadn't had that atmosphere that it had when I was there. Um, so getting those guys re-engaged is important, not only for, for the, the, the presence that they have now in the stands, but getting them engaged into the program because today's student is tomorrow's donor. And if you want to keep up with the Joneses with facilities, you got to have those folks that are willing to, to keep giving money uh, in, in the near future when they become uh, alums themselves. I feel like that was like a quote I would see on a pamphlet to donate money as, as an alumni person. That's, that's brilliant. Um, so moving on from that, going into next year, like I, I, I'm no offense. I've been pretty low on Florida going into the season just because of the kind of talent they have to replace and not just, you know, first round picks, but generational type talent at, at receiver tight end uh, or not receiver, but tight end and quarterback, especially um, what is a realistic expectation for Florida's offense under Mullen and Emory Jones and also as a team, the team for the season. Let's go back to something you just said. I mean, you know, you, you feel bad about them because you're not sure about the quarterback position. You're not sure about some of the skilled players. How'd you feel about him when he took over in year number one? I mean, again, he took that four right. win team. People were down on Felipe Franks. They were down on, you know, the ability of the offensive line to, to stand up in the SEC. And he took those guys to 10 wins. I, I think one of right. the things that Dan Mullen does better than maybe anybody else in the conference is taking strengths of their players, putting them in positions to be successful, and at the same time, minimizing some of the weaknesses they have. Now, I think this is a year where Florida's offensive line can be better than what they've been in the first three seasons that he's been in Gainesville. The running back position is really talented, and even though you lose Kyle Pitts and Trayvon Grimes and, and uh, some of the other uh, guys from last year at the receiver spot, you have a lot of talent, a lot of Mm -hmm. experience at the position too so you may not know the names necessarily but i think you'll see guys be really productive in this offense where they feel uh, very comfortable in what they're doing schematically uh, and i also believe you know emory jones I, I hope he wins the quarterback job but i think he's going to be pushed i honestly believe that anthony richardson another highly recruited quarterback oh. from right here in gainesville will push him and i think you know if you look around the conference that's kind of been the theme this offseason competition at the quarterback position pushing each other in order for the overall position group and the mm -hmm. team to be better. And I think Anthony Richardson will do that for Emory Jones. I hope Emory gets his chance because he's waited around and he's done things kind of the different route that most highly recruited quarterbacks would take if they're not playing right away. But um, I don't necessarily think it's a foregone conclusion. So, I mean, I think it's the first time I've heard that all offseason. Um, so it's surprising, but also I feel like, you know, anytime we see in the offseason, iron sharpens iron, any kind of competition is good competition. If Emory Jones does win the quarterback job, I, I feel like, I don't know if he's going to put up Kyle Trask numbers, right? But I feel like you're going to have the entire playbook of Dan Mullen at your disposal because he's got a, a dual threat quarterback and he does so well with those yeah. types of players. Do you think that we'll see something more similar to like what we saw at Mississippi State with Dak Prescott and, um, and, and Nick Fitzgerald, or do you think it'll be more similar to what we saw last year with Kyle Trask? I mean, even when, when Dak Prescott was at Mississippi State, you know, before his final season, he was more of a runner than he was thrower. He really, mm -hmm. you know, developed as a pocket passer. I think that's the impact that, that Dan Mullen has on quarterbacks in his offense is that he can, he can, he got a lot out of Kyle Trask the last couple of seasons in, in terms of running the football more than we would have ever expected. So obviously Emory Jones is well suited in terms of the, the RPO game, the zone read stuff that they'll utilize. He's done a lot of that in the red zone, the last couple of seasons for Dan Mullen. Um, but you know, uh, the, the thing I look to is, is how accurate can he be throwing the football? Mm -hmm. One thing that Kyle Trask would, did extremely well and how, how well will he be able to push it down the field? Cause I really, 
believe when you have a quarterback that can run the way that Emory Jones can, you're going to have to get some extra safety support down in the box. You're going to have to right. account for his ability to run. And now you're going to have some one-on-one -on -one opportunities where hopefully you can hit those throws down the field and be able to make some big plays in the passing game. Yeah, you can create a lot of nightmares for sure. Um, okay, I know I said three or four questions. we got three rapid-fire questions. That's All it. Right. We'll get you out of here. Uh, if you guys are listening, we are recording this on Sunday night. Uh, CD has been very nice I broke to, the, to I broke that. the, the, the uh, secret, man. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have. It's all good. Behind the scenes. All right. I mean, well, you're, you're getting ready for the fight tonight. I'm getting ready for the fight. I just got out of the pool. I didn't even put any product in my hair. Yeah, I barely <laughs> put a shirt on. So I'm, I'm uh, really making a lot of accommodations here for you, bro. I knew I was going to have to remind you to put a shirt on for this. Uh, so I do appreciate that. Okay, first question. What is the biggest storyline in the SEC that we're not talking about this offseason? Wow. Man, you put me on the spot here. I feel like you have an answer that I'm going to give you one and you're going to tell me I'm wrong about it. But <laughs> storyline that we're not talking about right now. Um, I, you know what? I, I mean, we are talking about it an awful lot. I think the biggest storyline is is the rich getting richer, man. I mean, yeah. you, know, you look at the transfer portal and, and what's happened with, with Georgia particularly. I mean, some of the spots that they were weak in in the secondary, loading up there, getting Eric Gilbert. Now, I'm not convinced that Eric Gilbert's going to necessarily – be able to play next year, but um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I I, uh, I think that's been one of the major storylines, obviously, and and mm -hmm. and how the looming NIL stuff's going to uh, further impact that as we move forward. Yeah, I hate the NCAA, and I I am never going to pull for them, but I really hope they just get like a universal system in place because it's just too it's the reading that I've tried and comprehension for me has just been way over my head, and uh, and, and I'm over it to be honest. Yeah. This entire offseason. Yeah. So the, the next question, uh, you're obviously a receiver. Um, until last year, the all-time leading uh, touchdown receiver in SC yeah, history. Thanks for bringing that up. Well, I mean, you know, you had to know it was coming. Um, no, but so who is the best receiver in the SEC right now and possibly one that we're not talking about as well as a sleeper? Uh, the best, uh, obviously, uh, Traylon Burks, man. I mean, you look right. at what, uh, what he did at quietly – uh, nonetheless, I mean, you could, I could, I could put him in both those categories, the best receiver in the league and the guy that we're not talking about enough. I think he fits both of those molds right now. And I think we'll uh, even, you know, get to know him much, much better this year. He's obviously uh, a guy that I believe is first team all SEC as we head into the year. Yeah, he's a stud for sure. All right. Last question. Uh, and it's the most important question I'm going to ask you. Okay. Okay. You're going, who are you pulling for first with Paul and Mayweather? Oh, man, it's funny because I think Mayweather's been like the most hated fighter yeah. around for a <laughs> yeah. long time, but we're all cheering for Mayweather, right? I mean, I, I love either of those polls to get knocked out. I, I, any one of them would be great. All right. Love that answer. Um, and the follow-up to that is, who's the one person that you would either want to fight or the most punchable person in all of college football? I'm not going to tell them. You can say you can say names. It's funny because uh, I, I – you're asking me personally, because I think there's a lot of people that are punchable in college football. If we look just within our yeah. conference, he's my guy, but I think other people outside of Florida would say that Dan Mullen's rather punchable. Yeah, that's fair. And it's funny, you could go from being punchable to not punchable, because Lane Kiffin was like maybe the most punchable guy in college football and now becomes like one of the most loved guys in the, in yeah. the league for sure, and, and maybe in college football in general. I think a lot of coaches, if we asked them, would probably say behind the scenes that Nick Saban might be the one that they most like to punch, but um sure golly outside of uh see i, I had kiffin at one still just because it because like how can you it's have not that I like, one just because he's, he's like the smarmy smile i love kiffin i'm just saying, like let's say i have danny cannell on the list too i love the i love dk but i'm saying like there's just something punchable about dk not saying i would do it but like i feel like if we're speaking for the audience 
Probably so. Uh, Dan Wolfen obviously also doesn't need to be said. He was number one overall. <laughs> it is funny the uh, the hate that is is uh, thrown Dan Wolkins way for sure. And then uh, DK loves it though. DK actually yeah. thrives <laughs> off of that, and and uh, he 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 knows what he's doing with some of his Twitter comments. So uh, yeah, you, I, you don't walk into public wearing a, a turtleneck if you don't have some sort of self confidence. It's funny. I showed my son. I was like, you don't remember Danny Cannell showed up wearing a turtleneck on a Saturday on the set? And he's like, no. I pulled it up. He goes, dude, that actually looks pretty good. So subsequently and not because of that but my son yeah. they had prom a couple of weeks ago he and his buddies went uh, full lonely island turtleneck and chains uh, that's to, beautiful to prom. yeah that's dripping with swag i love it cd <laughs> listen go enjoy the fight uh and and hopefully mayweather will win and if you know what round is going to get knocked out and let me know because i'm gonna put a bet on it for sure are you we'll able talk- to bet on it i was trying to it, it, it's an exhibition but are there lines available Okay, first off, let me say this not too loudly since my fiance is in the room. There's a ton of lines available. Uh, just I'll send you a link. But also, Bet Online uh, they posted today. They had they had a graphic that was just Logan Paul's face, and then it had prop bets for each body or each part of his face, which would bleed first. Oh, it was like wow. plus plus eight hundred for his ear, which is pretty good value. <laughs> is that what you're going with? You're going for the value play? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, Mayweather's like you know he's not he's not as strong as he used to be. He hasn't knocked out somebody in like what a decade. Yeah, but here's the thing, like you go back and look at some of the best fighters in the world have never been able to even lay a glove on him. And now all of a sudden we think that this guy who just started boxing not too long ago is going to be able to hit Mayweather. No way. I, I love it. I hope he gets knocked out. Um, and like you said, I've never pulled for Mayweather in at least in a long time. And we all are tonight. So anyway, yeah. enjoy the fight. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, y'all check out CD on uh, what is it, SEC Today now? SEC today. Yeah, you know what? It's SEC this morning, but in the summertime, there's only one show on, and it's ours. So they've rebranded it SEC today. So that'll continue yeah. five days a week. We're getting ready to, obviously, head to uh, to to Alabama for for um, SEC Media Days coming up, where we'll see you there, and then uh, we'll crank up SEC television stuff too on the network. So it's um, you know, I feel it's cool because I'm excited about football season, but like you, I also feel like it's a countdown to my summer vacation ending as well. Well, if you have a summer body, you're already ready for that. So I'm actually ready for hoodie weather again, but that's another. No, man, you're getting. Hey, time. don't don't hide. You know your success here. On you've been telling me how much you're you've committed and losing already, man. I'm proud of you, and we're going to hold you accountable when we continue on the summer. I appreciate it, dude. I don't know about the accountable thing, but we'll talk soon. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon, Chris. See you, bud. All right, and that was Chris Marler and Chris Doring talking a little UF. Uh, wish I could have made the interview, but uh, you know, family and shit i uh, wasn't able to make it so i appreciate you that was fun thanks to yeah. Dorian for coming on yeah that was awesome uh i was there was a i know it was a very short interview but like there was a couple of interesting things that i thought he brought up and i thought were good points that we kind of overlook and, and especially people that are close to the program um that probably have a little bit more insight than we do uh so yeah it was, it was good i was glad to come on but um like you said let's let's move on to the other big news of the week which was portal combat once again yeah, Portal Combat, which, which you know, it's becoming an overused term now for some people. <laughs> uh, but uh, UGA landed two big ones this past week. Um, they first started by pulling in uh, Darian Kendrick uh, right. from Clemson, a former five-star. He was by far the best cornerback that hit the transfer portal. Um, and he is perfect for Georgia's defense. Um, remember, they yeah. brought in the kid from West Virginia – couple months ago um but they before they did that they were slated to start two freshmen at corner in the sec two very talented freshmen but yeah you're, two, you're yeah, right but still you know um 
And so, uh, you know, they bring in the West Virginia kid and now they've got Darian Kendrick who, um, you know, he is a, the Georgia loves to play man to man coverage. They, they like the corners being very physical. Um, that is what Kendrick is. He, he was Clemson's number one corner, um, last year in the eight games that Clemson did play, uh, he only surrendered 105 yards. Um, he had three picks, 11 p- pass breakups, um, got into some trouble, got in the doghouse. Uh, Dabo will say that he wasn't in the doghouse, but was, you don't see weird. players of his caliber transferring out of Clemson very often. Something was going on there. He definitely got in trouble with the law. We know that. Uh, but now he's UGAs. What do you think? So I, I actually, I thought this was yet another, I was surprised that some of the negativity about this as well. And, and part of me kind of gets it because like you talk about using trouble with the law at this point, I feel like we're like, after just witnessing how most people behave like in all of 2020, I just don't think that we're, I think we're, we're overblowing a lot of what happens with these kids. Um, I, I think it was something like weed in the gun. I don't, I mean, do you boo? I don't know. Like I, I'm not that concerned with that. Um, my biggest thing with this is if you talk, look at a roster, look at like their, their, each position unit and everything like that, there's only one that's been even close to being considered a weakness, and that was the secondary. And now you've bolstered this again. Kirby goes and just absolutely owns the, the transfer portal. And, and yeah, I, I know there's, like, negativity a little bit about how the players they got, like, was it a guy that's, uh, you know, going to be an issue off the field? The numbers speak for themselves, right? <laughs> like, it's a former five-star for one. And then he actually – you know, lived up to those ex- expectations on the field, which is even bigger. Um, and then you talk about a guy like, like Eric, uh, well, why am I Gilbert. drawing a blank? Yeah. Eric Gilbert, who comes in and is going to play receiver instead of tight end. It was like, became the worst kept secret in the entire country that he was going to Georgia. I, and I was still kind of surprised, but you get both those guys. And, and I understand the, like, you know, labeling them like off field issues. And we've heard rumors about Gilbert and his GPA or whatever, but credit to Kirby, and this is something I, I probably owe him an apology from last year because I made the point, like, when they went and got JT Daniels after getting Jamie Newman, I made the, the statement, like, how do you trust Kirby Smart if you're a quarterback and he's going to do the right thing for you and put you in the best position to succeed? Or is he just going to recruit over you? And what we've seen here, I think, more than anything, is Kirby's endless pursuit at getting, like, not just a guy, all the guys. Like all the best players that you can. All the fucking guys. I mean, yeah. just absolutely like every single possible. Like we were, you remember that, uh, that documentary last year with um, what was it? Uh, the Last Dance, and they were talking to uh Michael Jordan. He made some comment about gambling, and he was like, "I want every last chip on the table in my pocket." That's like Kirby with recruiting, right? He just he just doesn't stop, and he's bringing in tons of talent. And I I thought it was huge. It was it was funny that they both happened on the same day. I don't think that it was planned that way at all. Um, but what a way to start back, uh, you know, like they're actually able to have like in-person like visits now and recruiting shit like that. What a way to start back up if you're, if you're UGA. Yeah. And, you know, we've been um, talking about the potential issues that Georgia could run into with the Pickens injury or, and, and neither one of us were really concerned. Well, you know, you bring in Eric Gilbert and we'll see, you know, I, I I'll be interested to see what happens with the Gilbert thing. Um, there's a lot of weird stuff going around around with his recruitment. I just, I, I more often than not, when you see a lot of drama like that, 
Right. I don't know that it'll work out long term, but we'll see. I, I, I'm I'm going to throw up a little bit of a, a red flag on that one. So, but I'm I'm talent, talent wise to... ridiculous. I mean, yeah. ridiculous a good pickup. And I, I remember talking to somebody that I'm not going to mention his name, but when we first made the joke about Pearl Combat like a while ago, he he DM'd me. It's a you know guy that works for ESPN and, and and covers SEC and knows a lot more than I do. And he was like, "There's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that this kid is like." You know, he's 18. Like, I think he he's got a lot going on that outside of football that that I don't I, I don't know what they are, and it's easy to label it as drama. We don't know. Um, yeah. I, I just I know that some there's like been some oh no Florida State's got the bases loaded. There's been some uh, I think people in the podcast group even mentioned like just the overall negative response that people have had. So I don't want to go there, right? I yeah. think this is yeah. a, a great pickup for Georgia. Um, I will say the Eric Gilbert stuff is so interesting because not because of the off field or like, you know, any issues, quote unquote, but if we're being honest, like, I think, I think we all know that cheating goes on in football and I'm not accusing Georgia of doing it and it, <laughs> at all, at, at all. Okay. I think everyone does it. And I think everyone should, I don't give a shit how that sounds. So I'm not, this is not a <laughs> negative thing, Georgia fans, but when you have several people in the LSU media that said, not just that he was paid, but they, that, there's proof that they were asking for an exact amount. Like when you, when you know the exact amount, that's when it becomes like, Oh shit, this is real. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. $180,000 Cam Newton. Like, right. it, so anyway, yet, I, I just, nothing ever happened with that. I don't Thanks a lot for bringing it up, but <laughs> no, I think the Gilbert stuff is, is great. And I don't know, you know, he might not even play this year. Right. But it's just, again, an absolute fucking arsenal of talent uh, in, at Kirby's disposal. Yeah, ridiculous. Um, Darnell Washington mixed with that guy, mixed with the other receivers they have is ridiculous. So yeah, we'll see what happens there. Well, and we'll get to like as the season gets closer. Obviously, we'll break down like what it all means. Um, this is obviously old news now that we're recording, but yeah, I will say this: if you're worried about like it, Kirby is mismanagement of talent or whatever, yeah, fourteen five stars alone on this on this roster. I, I mean, like I just. I, I keep saying, and I'm going to say it again. I think this is the year they, they win it. They just, they have talent everywhere, man, everywhere. Going to be a special year, I think in Athens. So we'll see, but we, we won't do any, a full preview of Georgia on this podcast. We got plenty of right. time for that. Um, let's switch a little gears and go over to um, the diamond. Cause it's been an exciting week. These transitions you're making are so professional. <laughs> you know, you know um, let's go from one ball to a different kind of ball uh a round ball talk a little baseball here uh hoping we can knock it out of the park <laughs> yeah i should let you do it um <laughs> so anyways uh been a fantastic week when it comes to not only college baseball but college softball it's probably been even more fun to watch yeah um neither one of our teams did very well in the regionals um Four State lost today to Southern Miss and is now out. Alabama lost to who? I don't know. Law Tech or something like that. Yeah. Um, uh, but the our, team, our teams are real quick. quick. Right now and then softball for they are. chance to get the championship. Um, yeah, and I don't want to sound like, you know, I don't know that much about softball. I'm sure Patrick Murphy knows more than I do. But, I mean, I don't want to be the run the damn ball guy. But I don't know. Why is Montana Fouts not pitching right now? <laughs> Um, Wait, is this the first time you've ever heard of Montana Fouts was this week? No, no. First off, I had a tweet about softball go like pretty viral, not viral, but it was pretty good uh, a couple weeks ago. So don't, don't start with me. Um, 
I, we're not going to talk about that necessarily, but I, I thought when you brought up the baseball stuff, as soon as they announced that Bama was going to Louisiana Tech, I was like, oh, shit. Like, it, I'm 35, and I know Bama's won all these championships. I have personally never seen Alabama beat Louisiana Tech in anything. They used to lose to them in women's basketball in the 90s. I've personally, I've been at both times in, the, in like 97 and 99 when Tim Rattay and Louisiana Tech beat Bama once on homecoming and once in Birmingham. I don't like Louisiana Tech owns Alabama. Just print the shirts. The, the Tim Rattay callback is one that I think people will be pleased with. Um, there's been some exciting stuff. You know, um, I personally watched Florida State uh, play in Ole Miss's stadium. That's an incredible atmosphere when Ole yeah. Miss is playing, obviously. Um, you got What's been Tennessee, your favorite part of, like, the, the whole – The Tennessee like, walk-off. Yeah. <laughs> that, that just display of absolute sw- – I don't even know what to call it on that Grand Slam was incredible. It took him 15 seconds just to get to the first base. Okay, so, <laughs> so like – and 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 all jokes aside, I know that like our our podcast is not is rarely serious, but I was thinking about this on Friday and and like the college baseball tournament, college world series is always fun. Um, the, like the whole setup, it it does take a while. Sixty four teams, you're in this double elimination regional tournament, all that kind of stuff. So and and like for me, it's hard for me to keep up with college baseball because it's just you know I remember playing it's just so many damn games. Yeah, and this, the game. Kind of, it's it's not as fun when they don't use the metal bats they used to when they used to score like 35 runs like a minus five fucking red line just like <laughs> absolutely yeah just a complete liability to the health of, of players on the field but yeah my oh, god yeah. was that fun yeah um yeah so i just but like i was i was thinking about this the other day and, and i was i was honestly like blown away the, the more like er, just continuously blown away every time i see sec baseball because we always talk about how how big and passionate sec football is and the fans are and all that kind of stuff but sec baseball is is on such another level than any any of the other conferences and, and it appears and i'm not just saying it to be an sec home I'm, I'm really not these stadiums that are like as good as minor league baseball facilities right and sometimes better yeah but these incredible stadiums that seat like eleven thousand and they sell them out like in not just at one place everywhere arkansas mississippi state like LSU there's all these different atmospheres Ole Miss is like incredible like the, the stuff at Swayze like you talk about out in right field when you like like as soon as somebody hits a bomb you have like the beer showers and shit yeah it's just so much fun and it made me realize LSU's like, probably got the best in the country what LSU the, their atmosphere do they for baseball oh yeah it's incredible oh. yeah I we played them two years ago uh and uh, super regional, yeah. Mike Martin was down there, and the people that went to that game said the atmosphere is absolutely incredible, like nothing no. they've ever witnessed before. So, but yeah. I think that it's it was cool to see it, and I think it's because we've been deprived of sports for so long, just with the pandemic and everything. Um, but it was really cool, and and I, I just I had just like this very sentimental moment on on Friday because, again, I, and I I used to hate this type of guy that's like just pulls for the SEC, right? But on Friday night the following things happened in this league. Okay. You had nine, nine teams go to the NCAA uh, regionals, which is more than the other conference. Right. Um, Tim Elko from right. Yeah. Tim Elko. Cause Ole I said Mike the other day from Ole Miss. He's, he's playing on one ACL. He has a torn ACL and he's been playing with it since like May 1st. Yeah. He hit two bombs in the same game in the SEC baseball tournament. He's still playing. I don't know how. Um, <laughs> and like I hit, 
I think I hit one home run my entire college career and I had good knees the like the entire three years. <laughs> this asshole did it in one game with one leg. He hits a grand slam uh, in, on, fr- on Friday night. Place goes nuts. The scene just look, it looks amazing. Then you look at Tennessee, this kid, Drew Gil- Gilbert. Um, they're playing right state, right? And, and so I was looking at some of the numbers for a graphic we did and like, like there's so much tradition in this conference. And surprisingly, Tennessee has the second fewest trips to the NCAA tournament than at, of any school in, in the SEC. They've only gone 11 times, right? Um, which is really surprising to me because they're pretty good at almost everything. For them, and I'm not a Tennessee fan, to look at like the fans in Knoxville and see them like travel to Birmingham the week before for the SEC tournament in just droves and, and finally get to be excited about something again because football has been so difficult and they keep kind of coming up short of expectations on basketball. But to see that fan base get like rewarded with hosting a regional, having one of the best teams in the country. And like, it, it's been so much fun to watch. And then you have the first game and they're losing to Wright State somehow, right? And, and they're down three runs in the ninth inning. And this fucking kid, Drew Gilbert, hits an absolute bomb and and like like i mean the pimp job of the century like you you said it was what, is yeah. it 15 oh, yeah. seconds uh yeah just to get to first base that's incredible <laughs> that's, i, I, I may be <laughs> i may be exaggerating on that i'll have to go time it but it's got to be close to actually being 15 seconds so he actually gets to first base it's incredible he, he full turned like a like his yeah. back was to to first base and he was staring at their at their dugout after he hit it which seemed like a bit much um yeah. But no, like, so those two things, obviously, and then you talk about like, you know, Arkansas kind of mowing through everyone. And then um, it just uh, the tremendous success from like most of the top tier teams in the SEC, Vandy, Mississippi State, all that kind of stuff. It was really cool to watch. And then lo and behold, Bama has a softball player named Montana Fouts, who's like the best pitcher in the country, throw a fucking perfect game. It was just such an yeah. awesome night for sports. And it just made me so happy that we're finally getting live sports back. And, and yeah, the, the, this just whether it's college baseball whether it's the golf i mean to watch the memorial the today and there's like there's like probably 15 20 000 people circling the green when they're right. in a playoff hole i mean last summer you're you're watching the same sport with no fans it's not even comparable no like the fans it's just so good to see and i mean even in the nba playoffs which yeah. i haven't really watched nba we kind of been saying in jest it is so fun with it's so much more fun with fans. It's incredible. I mean, you look at a, uh, either what it was MSG or even State Farm Arena was incredible. And then same sport, you go out to the LA games and they're not allowing many fans in. It's a totally different right. atmosphere. Well, and I think also sometimes we forget, like because because football is, is so blown up, right? Like, and there's so much money to be made from it. And and it's it's like I know it's not professional, but it, it's it's so close, right? And, and they get way more preferential treatment than any other sport in the NCAA. And I said this the other day, and, and I think it, it just rings true more and more that, I, that I've watched like, like the baseball and softball playoffs. I think these are the two sports, or I guess softball is like the one sport I think the NCAA doesn't fuck up, right? And it's so refreshing to watch student athletes be like that passionate about something. And no, not in a rude way, but like there's not – is there a professional softball league? I don't know about these girls are turning pro in afterwards. There like, is, I, but it's obviously, I know what you're saying. <laughs> so to see that kind of passion and like, and like, I've never seen anyone watching a softball game in a bad mood. 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it just seems like everyone is so like positive. It's such a different change from football, to be honest, even interacting with like fans of it, like on Twitter. Um, it cracks me up, but I, I think that like, we'll talk about a story at the end here, uh, the uncensored moment of the week, watching the baseball stuff, especially, and seeing some of these teams that it's a lot like March Madness that never really get an opportunity to win a national championship in anything. And they get a chance to go to the postseason and have a blast doing it, man. Yeah, it's softball is a very enjoyable sport to watch. I will say, I mm-hmm. never would have thought that I would have said that. And from what I've heard, they've made some changes to the game. I mean, I never watched it until recently. I'll totally admit it. When Florida State won the championship a couple of years ago is when I first started watching it. Um, it's really fun. I think it's actually more fun sometimes than baseball, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, which is kind of weird to say, but um, it's been fun. So, you know, again, we're recording Sunday night. There's still some games in progress. Um, Southern Miss up on Ole Miss. Um, so that one may go until tomorrow. Um, but then you've got LSU that's, that's um, beat Gonzaga. They're going to have to play Oregon now. So there's still a bunch of games to be decided, but um, we look forward to the Super Regionals, which should be exciting. Yeah. Again, a lot, of, a lot of really good SEC teams that have a chance this year. So do you want to do a little drunk history, Uncle Chris? Yeah, let's do it. Um, let's see here. So, no, I don't want to do drunk history yet. I want to do drunk okay. history next. Okay. Uh, you mentioned this earlier that uh, when we're recording this in a couple hours, um, Jake Paul, which Paul is it? I don't want to sound old, but I like. I think it's Logan Paul, and I hope he just loses because he's the that fucking guy, worst. The, both of those kids, uh, God, I sound old. Both of those yeah. damn kids. Those uh, YouTube never, stars. Never thought I would root for Floyd Mayweather, but. I used to be a big Mayweather fan. Like here we the, are, like mid two thousands. Like when he his fights just and all that aren't stuff. fun to watch. Not anymore. And he always he always gets. It, somebody's gonna probably get pissed about this because people are very adamant that he's, or some people are adamant that he might be the best of all time. But like in my opinion, he always got like the the people that had the best chance to beat him. He got him two years early or two years late after their prime or before their prime. Like he did, like yeah, Canelo Alvarez. Oh God, that pissed me off. Pacquiao would have wore his ass out in, in like in when he was prime. in prime, yeah, right. Yeah. But then, like in the in Canelo Alvarez, also in Amir Khan, I think like it's just there was some fights that I think he fought Amir Khan. Um, but he's a hell of a, a boxer, and I, I really I've, I haven't pulled from him in a long time. But I hope he absolutely wears this kid out. And also, good yeah. for him getting 118 million dollars. Yeah, get the bag. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it got us thinking. Who would we most want to fight or see get knocked out by anybody really? in college yeah. football who's like uh, the most punchable face who's who would you want to fight the most i so we did like i was gonna say we should do a top five but the list just goes it's just so on long. and on you know i tried to there's the obvious ones i mean you've already mentioned one with dan mullen i mean i feel like mm-hmm. everybody outside of florida fans can agree on that uh, and for me a former florida guy former ohio state guy now in the nfl urban meyer one of the most yeah. punchable just Everything about him, not just his face, just everything about him is punchable. If I could punch a personality, I would do it, and that would be Urban Meyer. I completely um, agree with that. You know, more of a a current coach for me, obviously Dabo Sweeney. Um, mm. Whether it's the face, whether it's the corny sayings like "bring your own guts," whether it's oh, the God. terrible TikToks, whether it's the tone deaf remarks about COVID or about the player movement. Or just the constant shtick of, oh, little old Clemson. Right. Motherfucker, you guys have won two championships in the last five years. Little old Clemson. Okay, hold on. So just give us give us the five, though. All right, so I uh, had Urban, Dabo. Um, not exactly a player, but an actual uh, journalist. 
Big J journalist, in fact, thinks a lot of himself. Pat Forty. Um, yeah. Hate that guy. It, you, I'm, I'm sure that I, I shouldn't say that. I don't hate him. I don't know him. Yeah, I'm not a lot. fan of his uh, shtick on Twitter or any of his stories. Um, two former players, and I tried to go off the wall because there's the obvious ones, but Jeremy shocked you for me. Okay, so real, and real quick, like just so we're clear, we're not trying to say that we hate these people or that yeah, we yeah. want to fight them. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, who is the me. most punchable or fightable? Like, like, and yeah. a lot of it has to do, like you said, their personality. Like, who, who's the smarmiest? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I, trust me, I'm not picking a fight with Jeremy Shockey right now. So if, uh, <laughs> you never know, brother. Shock, if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> just when I was growing up, I think I might have been in high school. Yeah. Uh, Florida State Miami was still a good rivalry, and Shockey was just just wore us out. And I just hated right. him with the tats. Um, and, and Kellen Winslow was right there uh, at the same. The, you know, I'm a soldier. soldier. That guy's the worst. Uh, and then uh, another one, um, former SEC player, former ACC player as well, Swag Kelly. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I thought about putting him on mine. I still think Bo Wallace yeah. is more punchable though, just because of his face. But that's also, good, Bo Wallace is kind one. of a nice guy. Um, so yeah. I. Like, I, so I made it. I made a top five for coaches, and then I made. I, then I just made a list, and I just went off. So, like, I think AJ McCarron could be on this list easily. Um, yeah, but and by the way, let's talk about like maybe it, the greatest one of the greatest moments we don't talk about enough in college football history. The opening weekend of I think the two thousand eight or nine season when Oregon and Legarrette Blunt went to went to Boise, Idaho to play Boise State on like a yes. Thursday night game, and they get upset and some dude and it's like this is my man, he had a punchable face he had a punchable face most, that's what's it's so perfect about it. like it's the most it's the most perfect example he had this cocky ass smarmy smile and he had a yes in that moment very punchable face and Legarrette <laughs> blunt didn't fail us he he yeah yeah he agreed he hit him right in the right in the mouth and i think i think the exact words was like hey man good game which is like i mean it's a miracle that i haven't been punched at any point in my life like it like actually landed um because i've definitely deserved it but that was does zach wilson five. have a punchable face no, i would feel bad if you punch zach wilson like if, if zach know, wilson but played, he still has a punchable face i feel if he played like lacrosse like if zach wilson ever came out and was like I, i'll tell you what if zach wilson was a student at old miss yeah like if he if he was driving oh, his dad's Tahoe and like and like dressed up in fucking Easter pastels from Vineyard Vines all the time, yeah, then absolutely. But I think like, can you punch a Mormon legally? Like I don't even. I'm not oh, trying man. to get into a fight with like if I fight someone, I want it to be like one person. I'm not trying to fight an entire like fleet of like sister wives, you know. So by the way, speaking of another sport that um, like the NBA that I don't watch any of in the regular season, but playoffs are awesome. Hockey. Oh, watching hockey the Islanders Islanders Bruins game last night. He was they they. I don't know if you've seen like Taylor Lewan from the yeah. from the Titans like slamming beers at uh, Preds games, right? So they go to Zach Wilson at the at the Islanders game. And it was just perfect because they cut to him. He's going crazy, and then the O lineman in front of him chugs the beer. <laughs> because... <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. Kind of a punchable face, but yeah. um. So my here's my list. I, I got like for coaches, Chip Kelly. I had him at five. Um. Dan Mullen at four, Dabo at three. Dory made a really good point about this, but I still have him on my list because I, I think at times he has a very punchable face, even though we love him now. Lane Kiffin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, y- yes and no. 
I don't know. I don't know if his punch, his face is punchable. It's just his overall being. I'll send you some pictures because I, I sent, <laughs> I, I found several that that prove my point. And then number one, I had Tom Herman, and I know he's not the uh, nice brother. He's not currently a head coach because he's the worst. Um, but more than anyone, I think he he is. I wish that Legarrette Blunt would have knocked him out. Like, is he still playing football? Can we like, can we do a GoFundMe to hire Legarrette Blunt to go knock people out, like a Kimbo Slice thing, but just on like a war path for people we hate in college football. Love that. Love that. Yeah. I actually saw um, his, his uh, cousin at an NFL game that he was playing in. Pretty interesting story about. Oh, man. Uh, so then uh, I, I have a, a whole nother list that is just like people in the college football world in general. Um, obviously Dan Wolken, we mentioned him, but I'm going to give you. And so, and Danny Cannell, I love Danny Cannell, but he definitely has a punchable face because well, you're gonna have to bring Danny on and ask him. What do you think? Without a doubt. I, so I almost put his picture on this graphic I made for him. But I was like, I, I didn't run it by him first. It would have been kind of weird. You just saw, like, who do you want to fight the most? Um, all right. So then the rest of my list, and I think this is like, like I kind of put Spencer Rattler on there because. It, yeah. I don't know why. It, makes a lot of it sense. just, it seems like there's a, too much confidence as of now for, for the amount of productivity and, that he's And had. allegedly, I don't know him but he is not a great guy off the field. Like he's just kind of into himself, like a that. lot into himself. Yeah. He's always wearing but, them earrings and listen to that rap music. So that's what I was going to say. Uh, no, but I tell you what, the, the one that I think makes the most sense, maybe more than any player of all time. I, at first I said any Clawson, but it's just Jimmy Clawson. Jimmy Clawson is my God. I, I, just, I forgot, like, do you remember Jimmy Clausen signed out of high school? I remember Mel Kuyper saying he was a 10-year player, or, or maybe it was, I think it was Mel Kuyper, um, said he, he was a 10-year player, which meant, like, 10 years from now, he was still going to be the best quarterback wherever he was playing, which would be in the NFL, and he was a surefire Hall of Famer. And so for his announcement to go to Notre Dame, he showed up to the College Football Hall of Fame in a stretch limo. Oh, yeah. Love that. that That's a great well, the worst. Um, anyway, that's I think my list. Someone that you're gonna, that you th- someone you're gonna hate. By the way, I don't know. You, since you're not into recruiting, you probably haven't seen this kid. He's the number one quarterback. He's no, he's first he's reason. Legit. Quinn Ewers. Yeah. Have you seen pictures of him? The mullet is is fucking stupid. Uh, I don't know how many times it's... we have to tell you guys this, but like having a mullet is not a personality trait. Just like having a tricked out Jeep Wrangler is not a, a fucking personality trait. But this kid's arm. It is it's ridiculous. It's incredible. It, like it, it looked like it wasn't real. He's going to have so many fucking Patrick Mahomes comparisons. It's going to be obnoxious. Yeah. And, and he's going to Ohio state, which I know you're not going to, you're not going like to, he won't that. end up there, brother. He's going down somewhere in the sec when a national top or someone else. Speaking of a uh, little drunk history here. Um, and, and also y'all send us uh, your, your answers for people you want to fight most. And please, please don't include please me. Please don't put Chris. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's fine. I don't think you can do this. Like last week, I, I did a, a interview with uh, my buddies Graham Coffee and, and um, Josh Hanger on their their uh, UGA like I guess podcast. Um, and I was like, "This is awesome, man! I appreciate it." Like I was like, "Do people like do people still hate me, Georgia fans?" He's like, "Oh yeah, people fucking despise you." And I was like, "Okay, well, there's that." Um, all right, so we as we do every week, we uh, we do a drunk history segment here. Um, and ask you to throw out ideas of what we want to learn about in the world of college football, players, coaches, robbers, whatever. Uh, last week we talked about Georgia Tech. 
Um, I think there was only like eight submissions, and most of them were just asking about the graphic, uh, why the guy had no arms in it, which I didn't design, so I didn't have an answer for that. But we had one football-related submission, uh, and it, of course, I didn't remember who asked it, but um, it is over the Clemson-South Carolina rivalry. Now, like, I know a little bit about this rivalry, so we're going to learn together. The little bit I know is that it's called Big Thursday. I think so they used to play it on Thursdays. Um, and hold on. I'm trying to figure out. Uh, Two former like, ACC squads going at it. Right. And it's also, a like, they do not like each other. Like, they. Oh, remember the fight? Oh, like, when they came down the hill and blocked the hill? <laughs> no. The, oh, the players. Remember when the players were getting, like, swinging helmets at each other on the Yeah. Field? It's because South I'm, I'm pretty sure, I know for a fact in 2004, the South Carolina players stood at the bottom of the hill and blocked Clemson from running onto it. And it was a fucking melee, like, like people taking That's off awesome. their helmets and swinging them. And it was like, this wasn't funny because it was extremely dangerous. But the funniest part about the whole thing was that Lou Holtz was the coach trying to like calm everybody down. Like, gosh, gosh stop, stop. Like no one's going to fucking listen to <laughs> Lou Holtz everywhere. in the middle of a fight. Hey, Lou Holtz would not have survived in COVID. He wouldn't, he wouldn't have been allowed oh, no. near anyone with all the spit no. coming out of his mouth. Oh, Anyways, absolutely not. There's no way he can also say the word vaccine. So, um, yeah, but so this, what do you know about this robbery besides the fact that they were a couple of, uh, ACC schools? Um, uh, I've never really thought of it as a big rivalry, honestly. Um, uh, I hope that whatever you're about to tell me is wrong. I mean, I know that they are rivals. They play each other on right. rivalry weekend, but when I think about the best rivalries in college football, I wouldn't even probably include them in a top 10. Okay, but, so I, I think it's it's definitely it doesn't matter as much, right? Like even like because no, neither Carolina, one of them have ever been really good at the same time. You can talk about the early 2010s, like 2013, 2012, when you had a couple of those Taj Boyd teams and then like yeah. the, the Spurrier Clowney teams. Um, I'm trying to go through it right now to see like where the the series all time is 71 or yeah, 71, 42 and four. And, uh, and Clemson has the, uh, the upper hand there. Um, it is really streaky. And, and I'm actually, now that I'm looking at it, I'm starting to understand why South Carolina fans hate Clemson so much because Clemson, South Carolina won five years in a row. And, um, and I know that because I remember hearing a story about where Steve Spurrier got on stage at a Kenny Chesney concert at Colonial Life Arena. In, <laughs> and they were like, everyone's cheering. He's like, hey, all you Clemson fans here, and like called him out for like losing five in a row. It was fucking hilarious. Um, and then I think he just dipped out. But for the most part, this looks like the streaks are all from Clemson. There's been not a lot of of back to back years where uh, South Carolina's won at all. But um, yeah, like though that doesn't show you like wh where each team was ranked or anything like that. But the origin of the series, right? So the reason why we chose this the guy who submitted it brought up something I'd never heard of. And it sounds absolutely crazy. Um, he brought up the fact that apparently in it's Dex Kendall, he said, the craziest thing is that Clemson fans strangled a live chicken at halftime in 1946, a live chicken. So, so you, like, I think, like you said, I don't think it matters like on the national stage as much to like, you know, the rest of like the cultural country. And I get why, but as somebody that like has family that lives in that state, the South Carolina fans fucking hate Clemson. Um, just absolutely hate them. So let's see here going through some of the, uh, this is the early years when Clemson began its football program, 1896, they scheduled rival South Carolina, South Carolina college for a Thursday morning game. which is when you play your biggest games um, at the state fair. 
pretty big. That's why they call it Big Thursday. Uh, okay, okay. World War II era. Let, just get to the fucking like chicken strangling thing. Okay. The 1946 game could be the most chaotic in the football series. <laughs> the, New York, the New York mobsters. Oh, oh. sorry. Two, two New York mobsters printed counterfeit tickets for the game. Fans from both sides were denied entrance when the duplicate tickets were discovered. How the fuck did the, the guy at the, like, the security guard in 1946 is like, that? No, these are fake. These aren't even close. Like, 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 like yeah. who's counterfeiting South Carolina? You said it didn't matter? Two dudes from New York made counterfeit tickets in 1946. Don't tell me it doesn't matter, Tyler. Okay. Um, to add to the wild scene, a Clemson fan strangled a live chicken at midfield during halftime. Fans from both sides of the rivalry, many of whom had been denied entrance again, along with fans who poured out of the stands, stormed the fences and gates and spilled onto the field. It took the U.S. Secretary of State James Burns, who attended the oh game God. along with, with then-Governor-elect Strom Thurmond, to settle down the hostile crowd. Once order was restored, fans were allowed to stand along the sidelines with the teams. What the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> While the second half was played to the game's conclusion, uh, South Carolina eventually won by 26-14. to 14. Listen, from a security standpoint, this is an absolute debacle. I, I just, you didn't let these people in because of counterfeit tickets, but then it let them stand close enough to the field so they could storm it. How did this guy get on the field at halftime to strangle the chicken? Uh, I mean, this is what, 1946, you said? Yeah. Probably not a ton of, like, real advanced security, I'm thinking, at that point. I'm just going to go out there and do a quick little song and dance. <laughs> I'm the halftime guy. See? <laughs> um... Okay, let's do let's do one or two more here. Um, I'm trying to think of like high points because honestly, like I said, looking at it, it, it does seem to be a lot of four and five wins in a row from Clemson and then one win from South Carolina. My personal favorite moment in this rivalry ever is uh, when DJ Swearinger absolutely fucking <laughs> destroyed that guy. And I think in like the 2012 game and then stood over him and flexed. He got a a lot of flags thrown. A lot of some would say too many, and it was still worth every uh, every single one. So, um, okay. So the the brawl, South Carolina Clemson brawl during the 2004 football game is the most recent the most recent eruption of hostilities in this rivalry. It's also the last time Lou Holtz coached, <laughs> having retired shortly after. Um, Clemson won the game 29-7. Each team had a total of six wins. On the, what? They were bowl eligible. Both teams were bowl eligible. However, both schools withdrew from bowl consideration because of unsportsmanlike nature of the fight. That's stupid. I thought I can get more in depth with the actual fight. All right, last thing. It says the greatest prank uh, of all time. This game also is one of the few that's actually mandated by state law. So that's kind of interesting. What happened? What do you mean? Like, like emotionally? It says that... Uh, <laughs> the Sokon almost brought the long robber to an end. And upon the request of both schools presidents, the South Carolina General Assembly passed a resolution uh, in February of 1952 uh, for the ordering the game to be played. Don't tell me it doesn't matter, Tyler. And the last thing here, the prank in 1961. I can already tell you this is gonna be fucking stupid. Uh, the USC fraternity Sigma Nu pulled the sum what some of the dropped some great... LSD in the uh, Gatorade. <laughs> Gatorade wasn't invented until 1967. Oh, um, a few minutes before Clemson football players entered the field for pregame warmups, a group of Sigma Nu fraternity members ran onto the field. Again, it's fucking security. Uh, ran onto the field, jumping up and down, cheering in football uniforms that resembles the one worn by the Tigers. This caused the Clemson band to start playing Tiger Rag, 
which followed by the pranksters falling down as they attempted to do calisthenics. They would also do football drills where guys would drop passes and miss. This is so, God, this is so dumb. And it's, it, this is how it's actually worded. Guys would drop, drop passes and miss the ball when trying to kick it. Clemson fans quickly realized they had been tricked and some of them angrily ran onto the field. However, security restored order, order before any blows could be exchanged. The Carolina frat boys had also acquired a sickly cow that they planned to bring out during halftime to be sickly the Clemson cow? to be the Clemson homecoming queen. Y'all are y'all are fucking wild in the Palmetto State. That's all I'm gonna say. Why didn't you lead with the fucking cow story? That's so much more interesting than anything else. They like those Sigma new guys, and Sigma who crazy. I also I just I don't understand why like, people make fun of Clemson for pouring out on the field, like you know, rushing the field after game. Sounds that? like what are your thoughts on that? It's not they're not rushing the field. No, no, I know that, it's, but I mean it's whatever. Like I, I don't care. Like it, like Clemson is the best in-game atmosphere I've ever been to, and I think it's cool. Like it's it's kind of cultish. They say a prayer before the game, which I'm not saying anything negative about religion. Some like it's not for everybody, but I think in this day and age, it's still really interesting and unique that, that anyone's doing that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think like well, they funnel money to their players through churches. So okay, well we're we're done here. Um, anyway, that yes, that's all I would say about it. Well. I got a little distracted because Bama just lost to Florida State. So we are going to a winner goes to the championship game tomorrow. We're uh, so uh, no, it's tonight. My, it can't be tonight. It's tonight. Oklahoma. We got we got Oklahoma and up, James Madison still have to play. Um, so uh, my buddy Eddie actually texted and said, "If this goes to a a second game, we have to do an emergency college football uncensored podcast, purely pre- previewing the game." Why don't we why don't we just finish the current podcast? Montana Fouts. Montana Fouts. Um, okay. Uncensored moment of the week. We've got two of them. I will do mine first, and then Chris will finish the show with his. Um, I'm hoping some of you saw this because it was one of the more ridiculous things I saw over the week. Yeah. Uh, the press conference. Coach K, legendary Mike Shashevsky, uh, head coach of the Duke Blue Devils since 1909. Uh, finally calling it quits. Uh, next year, he's going on his retirement tour. Um, holding a press conference seems pretty normal when you're announcing that you're retiring. Yeah. Came out to Cascadas every time we touch, which I get it. They do that at basketball games, which is one of the worst traditions I've ever heard of. Ever. Um, but the whole thing was just weird. You, you start the music's playing loudly in this arena, but there's only like 25 people in the arena. So it's really echoey. Three people just start stand, they stand up and they start slow clapping and it's one of those it's one of those weird awkward moments where like they expected everyone else to join in and no one else it, does well because it's a somber day yeah you're you know what you were right this was a really good pick um <laughs> like like it's so duke to one pick a like a niche like dance song one yeah. hit wonder it's a fantastic song but like yeah. a one hit wonder from like 15 years ago, like you had to know that song was not going to have any staying power when you first started playing it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and so then they still went with it, but like, you know, what it reminded me of was because like he, he's a legend in coaching and basketball and he's announcing his retirement. Right. And they <laughs> brought him out to like, like, it'd be like if, if they brought Bobby Bowden out to like swag surf or something like, you know what I mean? Like it's like, what? Cause he's, he's old and he doesn't give a shit about this. And so 
it was very awkward but you know that, that video it's like a meme where the girl is doing some tiktok dance and she's bawling her eyes out but she's still doing it she's like <laughs> yeah. it, going through all like the steps that's exactly what it looked like it yep. was and then he started doing it, it yeah he starts doing the weird. dance and yeah and then people felt like they had to stand up because the the three people that did do it like they just never stopped like they right it was clear they weren't going to give up um right. so it was just really really awkward and it, it kind of ruined what was supposed to be a pretty interesting moment and uh yeah. you know a touching moment for coach k announcing his retirement so that is my uncensored moment of the week how about you all right so my uncensored moment of the week is from uh this this was honestly one of my favorite things uh that happened in, in quite some time but in the uh fayetteville regional in the ncaa baseball um playoffs here uh or what do you call it um wow until the baseball tournament. So New Jersey Institute of Technology, NJIT, made the regionals. And they have to go play Arkansas. And it made sense because Arkansas is the best team in the country. And you could argue that, that NJIT is the worst team in, the, in this field. And I say that not saying, because we don't know anything about their, their baseball program, even though we don't. But they weren't even supposed to make the tournament here, right? They, they started out the season 3-12. and 12. They were really bad. Then, like, their best player came back, and they started playing a little bit better, but they in no way were going to make the fucking tournament, right? So they get to their conference tournament. As you know, just like basketball, if you win your conference tournament, you get an automatic bid. So they they, they have two come-from-behind wins against teams they shouldn't have beaten in the first two games of the tournament. Then the rest of the tournament gets canceled because of bad weather. So they were like, well, they technically won because they're the only team that hadn't gotten beat. <laughs> so their conference sends NJIT to the fucking NCAA tournament. And, like, I really I, – I love that they didn't take this too seriously because whoever's handling their social media, first off, is incredible. But they got to Fayetteville, and this happened last night, and, and people were tweeting about it that um, – and I thought it was a joke. It was a screenshot of a text, and Bunky Perkins retweeted and said – I'm in the hog pen right now, which is like the fan or the fans are in the left field or out in left field, like, like in the bleachers, basically at a bomb bomb stadium can confirm that the entire NJIT baseball team just showed up and it's just drinking beers with the fans. <laughs> the, like, the thing about this, right? like I remember one time going to Hooters at a trip to Valdosta for baseball and being like scared shitless that our coach is going to walk in because he's like, you're only going to these two places. No coaches allow this stuff to happen. Right. Like, right. Like you got curfew, you got to get back. Like we got to focus. Like we, I'm so glad that this coach didn't take. Like we, we got a chance to win this thing. No, you don't. No, you don't. Go have fun, man. Go in, like they went to a barbecue spot. They went all over and they became instantly like everyone's favorite team in the country because they <laughs> like they were drinking with the fucking fans after their game. And then and then they were like shit talking the rest of the, the rest of anyone that was like because i think a few people were like obviously you guys aren't cut out for the postseason play and they're like well we just won 12 to 2 earlier today <laughs> sir we're gonna go enjoy ourselves I, I thought it was incredible it was incredible it's a it's a great story oh. baseball in this in the northeast is interesting because they can play like four months out of the year have you i don't know if you ever like getting ready for a season up there you have to do like, cause you do, you'll play simulated games and, and scrimmages and shit like that. Like, you know, you do in any sport, but you'll have to do entire like simulation simulations and like scrimmages in a batting cage indoors and hitting off a guy throwing like 90, it looks like a hundred. Cause you're, it's the fucking worst. Yeah. That's, they say that's why Mike Trout 
fell as far as he did in the draft is because he's from New Jersey and like he he played half the amount of time, if not yeah. less, than everyone else in the draft. So good for those kids. Glad they enjoyed themselves. And this will be another episode of the Uncensored College Football. What you say the fucking name of? We'll see you next week, College guys. Football <laughs>